This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Lisa and Phil. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. listening to lightning strikes thrice the jrpg games club podcast that will be inevitably absorbed by time this is season nine <laughs> true episode 15 <laughs> for real uh <laughs> maybe sooner than we all anticipate uh <laughs> fly uh-huh uh-huh if sybil had the power <laughs> this whole season would disappear anyway Can you imagine me as a sorceress it would be some caligula shit oh my god uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Look, look, you thought Hidea and Altamicia had a slut mode? Let me tell you. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of which, the funniest joke I ever saw in Game Informer's history was during one of their April parody issues where they reviewed a game called Caligula Party, which was Mario Party, but with violence and orgies. Just... Uh-huh. That's good. That's good. Anyway, this That's is season 9, episode game. 15. <laughs> <laughs> Episode sprung. 15, covering the Ultimicia fight and ending a Final Fantasy VIII for the PS1. As you can hear, we're ready to be done with this season. I am your host, Matt Marcus, and my pronouns are he, him. With me today is... Sybil Arnett, she, her, slut mode. Mm-hmm. I am Vessel Ryan Beatty, Vessel to host. My pronouns are they, them. All right, what happened last time? After some diversions to pick up various extra GFs that came to nothing, the Seeds entered Altimacia's castle and fought her various minions to unlock their sealed menu options. The team then might have saved at the only save point near the castle and squared up for the final confrontation with the sorceress herself. We enter the final chamber to find Altimacia seated on a high throne. She laments that the seeds will not stop bothering her, even now, as time compression is nearly complete. For some goddamn reason, she talks with all of her hard C consonants written as K's for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's future Slavic, obviously. (laughs) (sighs) She says we will be trapped within time and made her slaves for all eternity, I'm sure someone loves that I just read that sentence off, and you know what? This one's for you, boo. She asks who to target first and says, you three will be picked to start. So, I don't know if it actually made it onto the episode or not, I have forgotten, but um, her using these Ks left such an impression on me that, number one, I thought she spoke more throughout the game, like, throughout this three. I remembered Uh her, I just remembered time compression with a K so hard that it became a much bigger part of my memory of the game that it actually exists in the game. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and the funny thing is, I don't, I don't even think she shows up in a single CG cutscene. I think she's only uh, one frame in game model, one frame. Okay, in the one final frame. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the final thing. Yeah, it's it's very funny how little she is incorporated into this plot. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. I remembered like hearing a like I I just I remembered that her big deal was that she was just extremely angry and I filled in the blanks in my memory of like, oh, well, she was clearly angry because, you know, sorceresses had been wronged for generations and, you know, so she was in this like Mm -hmm. fucked up place. But no, she's just like very angry and very powerful. And she said seed so many times here where she's like, oh, seed, 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 seed. It's very, That's almost an exact line Ryan just did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's for real. (laughs) uh yeah no she's a yeah it's uh it's not a lot of depth on this character she's just there (laughs) she's mad i gotta warn you now that we have beat the game i went into full research sicko mode so i got a lot of facts to drop as we go oh boy hell yes i'm excited (laughs) look at my new shesible is back baby Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unstoppable So, um, this is a multi-phase boss fight. Uh, there are four phases, in fact. Mm-hmm. The first one is just Ultimisha, and you begin the fight with a random party configuration. Uh, chances are you will have uh, one member who actually has junctions, unless you're a complete sicko who kitted out the whole squad. Uh, do not do that. No. <laughs> um, the, yeah. Um, so... This ended up not really being that big of a deal for me. The one saving grace of this move is if a party member is knocked out for a long enough period of time, they will get, quote, absorbed by time and disappear into like a column of golden light and get replaced with another random party member. So you can cull your non-junctioned party members pretty quickly. I, I love that it's a little Cupid that comes down I know. when it happens. <laughs> it's this little cherub. It's so funny. Yeah, it's like the Opposite of the raise spell in older games. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. the erase spell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also it it uh that little cherub feels very act razor to me. Um just yeah. makes yeah, yeah, me yeah. think of that little angel that does your bidding, that is your cursor. Um so in this first phase, Ultimicia will pummel you with high-level magic, including spells like Maelstrom. She also will cast status effects like stop and meltdown. If you summon a guardian force against her, she just straight mercs it, which is yep. very funny. But also, uh-huh. why are you why are you still using guardian forces at this stage in the game unless you're an Eden sicko? Do enough damage though, and the battle will shift to the second phase, Griever Part One. I hated this first phase because guess what? I lost Eden. On phase one. Because <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know this was coming. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't tell you it's coming either. Yeah, no. I summoned the big damage dealer who had break damage limit mm-hmm. and immediately lost a full ass GF <laughs> on one of the only people who was randomly in there. So that was so. great. <laughs> that was not the only time that would happen to me. Skill issue. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh yeah yeah no it's uh i don't know i love it i love how rude that is okay phase two griever all right so ultimicia decides to pull a sit and have someone else fight her battles for her and uh she does this by creating a guardian force out of squall's oc griever and 
we at some we'll talk about the mechanics. I have a lot of questions about like why this works and how this works in terms of like the cosmology of GFs. But uh it's very funny that it happens. Mm-hmm. I but can yeah, actually answer a- some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Cause yeah, I I mean this is the first we've heard of of a GF being pulled out of a person <laughs> or or of a person's uh I, I guess sketchbook or something. Yeah, uh, but like if if a guardian force is just a sentient concentration of incredible etheric energy or whatever, um, it makes sense that Squall mm-hmm. has one because he has the most feelings in the world by this point. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is a notable jump in difficulty over the first phase. Griever will cast Pain, Gravija, and Triple on itself. Yeah, pain sucks. Uh, if we didn't talk about it, it's a it's a status effect that does a lot of status effects, and uh, it's great for your status defense if you have it. It's very hard to get a lot of them, but uh, yeah, when you get a hit with this, it sucks. <laughs> it's basically some Marlboro shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not as bad as a Marlboro bad breath, but it's pretty close. Like, I don't think it confuses you. Maybe it does. Anyway. Griever will occasionally then just, you know, here and there, strip a party member of one of their magic spells. Any of them. It'll just pick one out of your uh, menu. And uh, if you're junctioning it, too bad. It's gone. <laughs> Which one it picks is RNG. So it is, uh, y- this either doesn't matter at all because they took all your scans or something, or extremely inconvenient if it takes your ultimas. <laughs> I lost Ultima. No, <laughs> this game hates you specifically so much. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. So rude. Final Fantasy VIII heard you were talking shit. <laughs> uh, so this is also the case where like the one time we're having a, a, like an overstocked menu full of uh, magic is actually helpful because it'll just pick a random one and it mm-hmm. could be one you don't care about. Which uh, we we didn't talk about it, but you know you have a limited inventory of slots, so you could actually run out of space for magic spells, which comes becomes really annoying late in the game if you have like huh. like a Fira or two left, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I really want to get this new spell in here, but then you have to just trade it to somebody else. It's a menu tax. Um, yeah, Ir- but that's, Irvine. Yeah, you, you trade it to Irvine because you never have him in yeah. your party anymore. <laughs> oh no, I had him in my party because he does great damage with his limit break. Oh, well, I didn't have him in my party because he's a tool and a chump. That is true. He is both a tool and a chump. Uh, But anyway, despite all this, it's got one ultimate attack, which it'll use just once in the fight. And it's uh, the spell that I mentioned last episode called Shockwave Pulsar, which is a blue magic that Quistus can learn. It is a ridiculously powerful spell. It's like Ultima, but bigger. And it's more or less a party wipe unless you have uh, magic defenses up because uh, having shell up cuts the damage in half or you are invincible when it happens. It will use this no matter what. So either it'll do it on a timer or uh, if you had already killed it, it'll do its uh, do this attack before we get to the next phase. My limit breaks ran a buzzsaw through this phase and mm-hmm. especially like wishing star, which is the which is um Renoa's ultimate plus invincible moon and Lionheart just like it I did not see it it cast triple and then couldn't cast mm-hmm. anything else essentially and yeah. uh its damn tail falls off which is great it's before it <laughs> before it casts its ultimate if you uh if you kill it it's its tail falls off and I just wrote in my notes its damn tail fell off it was cute mm-hmm. I think that's the next phase 
Because is uh, it? I believe so. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's when <laughs> it, it, it's when um, uh, Ultimicia is wearing the fursuit. The bottom. Oh, right. The last two forms off. are the ones that have a bunch of extra bottoms. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's true. Also, uh, shockwave pulsar is not a one-time use. It's a oh, one-time it's guaranteed. Oh, if you kill it fast, it's going to use it as a death blow attack. This just starts coming out as part of its roster after a certain point. <laughs> Ouch! I did not know that. I guess. Well, it turns out when you lose your biggest damage dealers multiple times in a row, this takes a uh-huh. bit. <laughs> oh my god this game owned you so hard <laughs> yeah well there's a reason i generated level all death <laughs> <sighs> after this ultimicia decides she is gonna do griever a solid and junction herself to the guardian force okay Creating an extremely silly looking thing with Ultimicia's upper torso and head sitting underneath the lion head. Thankfully, it's not a little lower on the body because otherwise we would be getting into some freaky, freaky transformation art shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This phase has a unique song called Maybe I'm a Lion. No, you're not. (laughs) I can still see your human bits. (laughs) It will still cast high level magic like Holy, Quake, and Tornado, But it also summons little familiars called helixes. When one helix is up, it will start casting Ultima. You're still okay at this point. When two are up, it will add Meteor, Ha, and a new attack called Great Attractor, which is a party-wide physical attack where the sorceress summons in four planets and slams them into a (laughs) time-compressed Earth? I don't know what to call this planet. She can do this over and over. (laughs) <laughs> yep. And Griever can still kill GFs, but will no longer remove spells at this point. So, you know, I lost another one here. <laughs> yeah, so like half of the phases you lose Guardian Forces, half of the phases you you can get magic stripped. Or I think three out of the four. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ultimisha transforms into an Eldritch Monstrosity uh, for her final form. Uh, This Eldritch Monstrosity has a hole for a face. Underneath her, you can see Ultimisha's upper form hanging upside down. So it's it's like um, two torsos bisected in the middle. Um, The upper and lower halves are targetable separately. Her scan text reads, Ultimisha, transformed to absorb all time and space, absorbing all existence as we speak. A significant portion of the arena, which is a space void, is part of her character model, which is very neat. Uh, This fight's theme song is called The Extreme, which is one of the most revered tracks on the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. This is just a Heartless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has the same color scheme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's this is I this I saw this and I was like, oh, this is where Nomura had the idea for Kingdom Hearts. Is like it's like this boss is is the genesis of the Heartless. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Especially the little half a helmet underbite on the whole face. Yep, half a helmet underbite, and like you know, instead of missing its heart, she's now missing her face. So it, so mm-hmm. similar. But if you just stuck this, like if someone was unfamiliar with this game and you showed them this render, people would think, oh, did this come out of one of the PSP games? Mm-hmm. 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 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Total birth by sleep vibes. It, it looks sick. It really, I mean, oh, yeah. especially yeah. it's a, it's a great design. It's just so wild that it lines up with all of the design conventions of that series. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, it, it does. It feels like Nomura, just like a light bulb going off in his head here. Yeah. Yeah. This is my favorite uh, enemy design in the game. Like by a long shot. Yeah. It just looks sick as fuck. Yeah. It's really cool. So aside from the spells mentioned earlier, she now has an attack called Held Judgment that just sets the entire party's HP to one. And that is where my fight ended because my speed stat was so high on all of these folks that I just did six limit breaks in a row and killed <laughs> her before she got any other attack off. <laughs> which I'm usually not a fan of being overpowered in games, but this was just so unbelievably satisfying to, I got hell's judgmented and then just wrecked her with everybody at one HP. No problem. Yeah. It would be extra rude if they also gave you a curse status with that attack. So yeah. you're, you're level <laughs> one and can't do limit breaks. Like mm -hmm. that, th this is all we're already in phase four. Like that would have been probably too much. Mm hmm. So, at some point during the fight, the upper half will draw a spell called Apocalypse from the lower half and cast it. And this is the most powerful spell in the game, and it will likely kill you. Uh, I've seen, I've never seen this attack happen in the game, but I've heard uh, damage numbers, uh, quote, minimum 8,000. <laughs> it's not a guarantee for that, but it is by far one of the strongest spells you can casually have dropped on you because I mm -hmm. took three plus K at my mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it packs a, a major wallop, but after she casts it once, you can actually draw the spell yourself. So you can use it if you want. Uh, I've not tried to do that, but something you could do. It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. I guess that's a nice, um, it's a nice consolation prize if you've been like, like you, Sybil, like nerfed enough by by the other mechanics that you don't have a lot of damage that you could deal. It because, would have been great uh, if I still had any casters who could make use of the spell. Mm, yeah, that would help. Uh, yeah, <laughs> could draw a cast. By this point, I had a gearless Irvine, Selfie, <laughs> and Zell. Wait, all the other ones died. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! The people I had powerful oh. got dejunctioned and kicked in the teeth. Oh. Oh. <laughs> ouch. Oh. ouch! 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 I only did one run at this fight, uh -huh. Uh -huh. which meant that every time I got knocked down, I continued on. Well, anyway, you can attack the lower half, and if you do this enough, it'll eventually uh, be broken off, which cuts off access to the spell. And it only has about like 10% of the health that the rest of the uh, the boss does, so it's really easy to do this. Unfortunately, though, she'll start casting Ultima and, Medium, Ultima and Meteor more frequently at this stage, too. So, you know, she's still ramping it up, even if she can't cast Apocalypse anymore. Again, she can kill GFs and blow away magic like in the previous phases. So that's still a thing that could happen. And uh, once her health is depleted, she is not going to die just yet uh, because she starts talking to uh, the party. And you need to hit her for at least 100 HP 
for her to continue her speech and you need to hit her five times to finish the fight. And she can still attack you when she's speaking. So uh, you can get screwed over by this if you get, a, you know, if you're if you're low health and you're like, OK, I've just got to get a few more hits in, uh, it, you could still die. Actually, funny anecdote about the the, uh, the no junction run got to that stage and like missed the final hit or like, Ooh. you know, was one hit short before uh, before it ended up casting another attack and died. Oh, and, and I and I think it was a miss menu. There was like some error or like something wasn't junctioned right. Or not mm. junctioned right. Something was not set. Oh, right. Right. It was because they needed one more invincible moon to go off in order to survive a hit. Mm. And they had accidentally learned one extra Angelo attack and oh, ended up no. picking that one instead. <laughs> and had to do the whole <laughs> fight over again, <laughs> trying to get, you know, the end four times again. So this little speech she gives says, uh, reflect in your childhood, your sensation, your words, your emotions. Time will not wait. No matter how hard you hold on, it escapes you. And, and then you cut her off on the last hit. Once you land the final blow, Ultimecia explodes into rays of light before she disintegrates. This looks rad, uh, especially yeah. like the sound effect they have on it uh, as like the rays of light start enveloping your party. Uh, it's cool. But yeah, that that's the end of uh, the the playing part of the game. Yep. And then there's like a 40 minute or so. I, I don't know how long it actually is. I didn't time it, but there is the longest ending cutscene I had seen up to this point in a video game ever. Mm -hmm. It's at least 30, depending on your reading speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, some of it is still an engine. So... Time compression has ceased, but now the seeds and Renoa, who, reminder, is still not part of a garden, are stuck in a white void, running around looking for each other. They are calling out to their friends, trying to follow Laguna's advice to return together to their proper time. Renoa says she wants to meet Squall back in the place where they promised to meet up. And then everyone realizes, wait, Squall's not here. <laughs> oh, crap, we're all calling out to everyone and Squall's not calling back. We then cut to a black void where we see Squall approach the camera. He hears Renoa call for him and he goes, oh, wonder where I am. Then another voice calls out asking where he's going. We turn around and see baby Squall running away looking for Sis. And guess what? We have gone back to the most mommy please moment in the entire series. <laughs> Adea running into frame and stopping as the scene of the orphanage fades in. She asks Big Squall, have you seen a little boy run by? And he says, don't worry about him. He isn't going anywhere. Adea agrees, looking at the proof in front of her. <laughs> uh, purple smoke begins flowing behind and Ultimisha emerges from it. Squall pulls his gun blade and tells Adea to stay back, but she isn't scared. He says that they had defeated her. She tells Squall that every sorceress must pass on their powers before they are allowed to die, and that she knows this because she's a sorceress too. She says that she will take on the additional power to protect the children from becoming a sorceress like she did at their age. 
She absorbs the power. Ultimicia fades away, and Adea falls to her knees. Adea asks if this is the end, and Squall says, most likely. <laughs> she asks who he is, since he called her matron earlier. He tells her he's a seed from Balam Garden, that their mission was to defeat the sorceress, and that this whole thing was her idea. Creating a time loop, which is a uh, time-honored Final Fantasy tradition since Final Fantasy I. So mm-hmm. the callback mm-hmm. to a time loop made me very happy here. Mm-hmm. And the the thing also that this puts into perspective so like i had been talking earlier in the game where why is it that squall gets the special boy treatment and this is why he gets the special boy treatment because he was the guy who started the whole thing and they're like oh that must be the guy yep so question answered why you'd give the entire army to a 17 year old who has only one mission under his belt basically and also Honestly, like minor gripe answered um, when you were like, well, why does Adea get to absorb two sorceresses? And it's yeah. like, well, because the sorceress <laughs> just has to pass it off to someone before she dies. It doesn't have to be an mm-hmm. unsorceressed person. So, you know. Yeah. 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 I did notice that, too. So Adea is confused, but then asks if uh, he is the boy from the future. And he he doesn't say yes. He just kind of goes matron. Uh, and she just tells him like <laughs> to get the fuck out. Cause he's like, you're, you're not, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, little squall comes back in the frame. He says, ah, I can't, I couldn't find sis. Wow. And uh, ask the deal. Like who's that guy with the cool outfit that I'm totally not going to steal later. And, uh, <laughs> She says, uh, nobody, you don't need to know. The only squall permitted here is you. (laughs) If I were a kid, I'd be like, wait, his name's Squall? I'm confused. Yeah. This is, this is the paradox that some people read into Jojo part four. Mm -hmm. How did he get his pompadour? Because a punk showed up and helped get their car out with a pompadour. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. God, part four. Any... The the one thing I, I do like about this bit here is that so many times in time loop stuff or like time travel stuff, when you have like an old and a young version of person, nobody recognizes the older version that just showed up. Like in Xenosaga 3, we had that whole thing mm-hmm. with Shion. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they actually just fucking said, hey, hey, that's you. Oh, I recognize you. You look like that kid. I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> For once, somebody actually called it out. And Day is not stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thankfully. Now, if it were Sid. Yeah, Sid would not put this together. Sid can't tell white people apart. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) We cannot disprove it. But then she turns to Big Squall and says, uh, do you know where to go back to? Do you know how? Will you be all right by yourself? And Squall just salutes, thinks to himself, I'll be all right, matron, because I am not alone. If I call out, they will answer. And the scene fades away around him as he goes back into slipstream time. I don't know, but he's just leaving that time period. Mm -hmm. And so he begins calling out to everyone, including Renoa, and then is immediately hoisted because nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I'll be all right. They'll answer. And they're like, nope. They left him on a read. And uh, he starts to doubt himself as he runs around trying to find his friends. I love this because him saying out loud i'm not alone is i don't know maybe it's trite but it is like such a full circle for this uh, emotional 
mess of a guy and just like becoming confident that he doesn't have to have abandonment issues anymore. And then, you know, <laughs> is immediately challenged by that. But you know what? Spoilers for, you know, five minutes from now when we explain everything. But it all works out in the end. He finds his friends mm-hmm. because he's not alone. And I love that. <laughs> so Squall begins wandering a desert with the skybox turned into warping space. He begins walking in no direction in particular until he becomes exhausted, and it's nighttime now, and also he's on a cliff because the ground behind him has been eaten up by uh, time. He collapses. We then see Renoa running around in the flower field looking for Squall, who did not show up. She stops and grabs the rings on her necklace, and this causes a single white feather to float down to Squall, and when he catches it, He's standing in the field at dusk with Renoa standing in front of him. And he calls her name, but when she turns around, her face is occluded by a liquid distortion effect. I hope you like Photoshop filters. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was before Photoshop was really like a consumer grade product, you know, it was only on workstations. <laughs> oh, like what they're rendering things on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we then see reprises of old cutscenes, primarily the one from the dance where they first met. It plays over and over, but each time Renoa is not fully there. She's out of focus, or her face is blurred, or she's become translucent, or she isn't there at all. Um, it's, like, very unsettling, and um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of the occlusion also looks like, um, you know, like, ghost stories where someone in yeah. the photo's face is all messed up. Um, it's yeah. genuinely an unsettling effect to me. Uh, yeah, like the one that keeps coming up is the the image of her when she's like under um, Adia's spell at the you know at the parade, and you know it's dark in the way that like it gets shaded. Like yeah, her eyes look like they've been like scratched out in black or something, and it looks real spooky. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's fun. We then start to see a loop of her approaching Squall from his point of view, and the room starts spinning as if they were dancing. And like one of the details I noticed this time here is that the the stage, which the band I think was playing on earlier, there's uh, a statue of a woman, and I'm not sure who it's supposed to be. You could say it's a sorcerer. It could say it might even be Shiva or something, because there's like some blue in there. Or it could be like a representation of Renoa like as the sorceress or as a future sorceress. Uh, I just think it's an interesting image. I, they don't explain what this is at all. I don't even know if this was in the original cutscene at the beginning of the game, but it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. And it stood out. Yeah. It's a, it's a very weird and cool detail. Mm-hmm. At this point, more and more of the game's cutscenes start flooding in and overlapping until we see Renoa floating in space in her suit, her visor shattering. We cut to see Squall cry a single tear as he breaks. The screen fades to white, and a single feather falls to the ground. Um, yeah. And then we also get um, the infamous uh, like screamer image where Renoa's yeah. face is replaced with um, a black hole. Well, no, it's Squall's face. Here, let me, let oh, me drop it Squall's in. face. Let me drop, yeah, I, yeah, didn't yeah. Want, I didn't want to preface the... Oh, God, get in here. I, is here this supposed go. to be infamous? I'd never seen this before. Oh, yeah. Well, this is... Yeah. So this this is tied into the Squall is Dead theory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is, mm-hmm. Well, that this explains is a, why it's from squallsdead.com. 
Yep, yep. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, you would not have noticed this unless you were like pausing it. Like it ha- it flashes by, so it's like more subliminal than anything. But it's mm-hmm. creepy as fuck. Uh, this cutscene uh, is kind of a mess if you're not looking at it frame by frame. <laughs> it happens a lot happens fast, and uh, I think that's obviously that's the intention. But uh, this, uh, I, I can't look at this now and not see this as uh, like I'm turning this into goatsy for the episode art. I'm just gonna call it right now <laughs> because it. it's right there. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sorry. I thought of it this in episode two, <laughs> but yeah, real spooky. And it's definitely, I mean, again, doesn't have anything to do with what Squall is dead is as a theory, but uh, apparently this was uh very uh, convincing to uh, the people who thought, thought it up uh, whose names are, cause I just might as well bring it up. Deidre Raider and Rahul Chowdhury or Rahul Chowdhury are the uh, two people who thought of the Squall's dead theory. But, I yeah. love their stand up. <laughs> So Squall breaks, we're back in the desert land and Renoa walks out of a wall of smoke and finds Squall on the ground as Eyes on Me starts playing. She gets on her knees, pulls him up to her lap, kind of a lap pillow thing, but not quite, and strokes his hair. Uh, She cries out and embraces him. And in response, the sky opens up and the desert turns into back into the flower fields with pink petals flying all around, which turn into white feathers as they fly up into the air, which, you know, the white feathers, which have been associated with her, you know, with the angel wings and stuff. Uh, we then cut to the ocean where we see Cypher sitting on a dock. Remember him? Remember when he was part of this game? Uh, he's sitting on the dock fishing, presumably in Balam, with Raijin and Fujin. Uh, Cypher is big mad that Raijin caught a fish and he can't catch anything. And uh, to cheer him up, Fujin just kicks Raijin into the water. Cypher finds this very funny, but uh, he stops laughing once he sees Balam Garden flying overhead. Uh, and he looks up at it pensively. And that's how his plotline ends, with a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This sucks. I, <laughs> I know, it's just, it does. Did he learn Cypher- anything? <laughs> Cypher's destiny is to get continually owned and then bully his way into being satisfied just like forever. He's just going to be this shitty guy for all time. It's it's amazing how much they were just like, oh, 
You know, I'm surprised they didn't put Cypher in the final dungeon at all. I'm surprised they didn't put Cypher on a guillotine or a noose. I know, mm-hmm. he did a bunch of war crimes. That dude ruined the planet. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's very, very tonally whiplashy that they give him like this weird happy ending with no connective tissue to what happened the last time we saw him, which is right. him giving, a, you know, Renoa to Adele. Maybe, yeah. maybe his, you know, his excuse was just, uh, you know, Ultimisha had me in her thrall the whole time. I was, I was, uh, I was a thrall. It's not true, but he could have said it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of questions I have about the end of this game. We'll talk about it in like 10 minutes after we're done with the rest of this. But yeah, the, this this sucks. This is like my least favorite part of this this uh, part of the game. It's so bad. This is definitely the worst part of this ending montage to me. Is yep. that Cipher yep. just gets to run around and be a fucking fisherman? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did laugh when he couldn't catch the biggest fish though, because it's of course it's fucking Cipher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We move to the plains of Windhill and see Laguna visiting Rain's grave. We get a wordless flashback. Uh, All of this is wordless, actually. I don't think there's any dialogue in this sequence. Mm -hmm. But he proposes to Rain in the same spot some 18 years earlier. And he smiles as Alone, Ward, and Kiros go to meet him. They also see Balam Garden fly overhead because, you know, themes. Yeah. So I had completely forgotten that Laguna had actually proposed to Rain at one point mm-hmm. because her story ends that she's like sad and alone. Um, I mm-hmm. thought no, that alone he is had different. like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, be- because her story ends so sad and alone, um, she. Th- sorry. Um, so, no, like, go ahead. Keep going. I Keep thought- going. we're going to get through this. I thought that he was using that he was using time compression to go to the past and actually propose to her because I had it in my brain that he when he left, he was like, ah, I should have proposed to her like I never got around to doing that. But apparently this mm-hmm. is just his memory. And it was it was my memory that was wrong. Yeah, because he looks at his hand like he looks at the mm-hmm. grave and he looks at his hand with the ring on his finger and then it transitions right. to him looking at the ring before he gives it to her. Right. Um. Yeah. All right. The credits begin rolling, but on the side, like it's uh, a bad stinger in a film, a camcorder footage of a party at Balam Garden is celebrating things. There's bits throughout this. Uh, Selfie is the one who starts with the camera, and we see her recording Irvine hitting on Quistus, who does not give him the time of day. Excuse me. She and Irvine then go talk to Sid and Adea. This is actually... The only time in the game they will both be dressed in their casual clothes together. Literally <laughs> the only time. Yep. Yep. And uh, they make a show of bowing to the pair. Also, Adea is back in her matron gear and yep. um, she, gosh, she looks a lot like Renoa. Um, Nomura, again, just has very specific ideas of what a brunette woman should look like. Um, <laughs> and it creates like, oh, are there parallels here? Are, do they look alike because they're both sorceresses? No, they're, they just look alike here. Adea mm-hmm. might be her mom. Who knows? Also, <laughs> we know who her mom like- is. <laughs> We? Yeah, we know who her mom is. Yeah, it's is. Julia. I was not paying attention to Renoa for the first half of this <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, that's the, she has, that's she has the whole, last name. 
that's the whole fucking yeah. hilarity of Eyes on Me yeah. is that it's it is uh, the song that Laguna's or that sorry that Squall's dad wrote for Renoa's mom. Well, no, she Renoa's mom wrote it for him. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. That's yeah, what okay, I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I was about to say like uh, he's a writer, but he's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. You have to remember that I cannot stand Eyes on Me, so my brain just overwrites it with the Benny Hill theme in every cutscene. <laughs> That's what was playing when they reunited in the flower field. Feather. At this point, like it also seems like maybe Quistus is is drinking over the course of this party because she eventually like is starts to like hang all over her friends and just like laugh at everything, which is very fun. So Irvine then grabs the camera and in return, selfie takes his cowboy hat. And uh, he begins uh, wandering his eye over to some other girls, which Selfie, of course, takes issue with because Irvine will forever be a creepo. She and Quistus then walk over to a table where Zell is finally getting his hot dogs. And he is uh-huh. so, so excited about it that, like, his eyes just become way bigger than his stomach. And he's wolfing down a, a plate full of them while um, a girl lovingly watches him. He chokes on one, gets mad, and then throws a hot dog at the camera. Mm-hmm. All right. So this girl. We didn't talk about her before. We might have. I think I, I obliquely mentioned her once. This is the pigtailed library committee girl who has a crush on Zell. And uh, you can run into her throughout the whole game. And there's a lot of scenes here where mostly you needed Zell in your party when you go to the library to trigger a bunch of these. Some of these you you actually have to trigger by like you have to go to the library when you're controlling Irvine during the uh, setting up the band. You know, during the concert, Mm -hmm. you have to go all the way back to see one of these scenes. People have done crazy shit. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, there's there's a lot of really buried interactions here. And the the TLDR is that this is how you get Combat King 3. You get it from her. You hit a few of these scenes and you meet her at the uh, Balam Hotel and uh, she gives it to Zell. And uh, the way it works is that the more scenes of these that you've got to witness, the more of the conversation you overhear where she confesses to him. What are the early ones? Uh, I mean, it's very obvious that Zell's not much of a reader and she's like, oh, oh, I'm just (laughs) concerned that like, I just want him to read more books. And uh, uh, the first time he talks to her, he says, oh, hey, by the way, where's that book? Uh, Goodbye, Pururin. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know if that's a reference to something or just supposed to sound like something, because it sounds like a children's mm. manga. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did look up to see if it was a goodnight pun pun reference, but no. that came about eight years later. I thought the same thing. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely not goodnight pun pun. Go read goodnight pun pun instead of playing FF8. Rude. Is it how I, it sounded really, really heavy from it is. that? Manga's plating episode. Okay. If, but like, if like, you want to see Squall's arc done better, goodbye. Oh good like, I'm I'm morbidly curious, but also I know how terrible some of these things can go, so I don't Oh. Oh, it could get terrible. <laughs> that makes me not want to read. Yeah, for real. <laughs> None of the viewers can see my face right now, but it is you can pure hear it. sicko at the window. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! By the way, uh, speaking of speaking of what our listeners can't see, something that we didn't remark on last episode was all of the times that Sybil was flipping the double birds to Matt and I, or really probably <laughs> to the game, but also to, to the Matt game. And I. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
but anyway, so I mean, like the the funny thing is like just how like absurdly obscure this like little side quest thing is is like there's a bit where you do a uh, like a love test questionnaire like these these the two other girls in the library committee ask uh, like Zell, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? And you have like a bunch of options, and like depending on what you pick, you actually earn one cast of a different spell which is like really funny because like you can get a scan or you can get an Ultima, but it's only one. <laughs> and the, the one that gets you Ultima is not hot dogs and like red or blue. You have to pick like fish and the color pink. And the, the option to pick pink is like, uh, like actually I'm kind of embarrassed, but my favorite color is pink, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, why huh. did you do that? And then why don't you wear it? <laughs> I, I know it's because he's embarrassed clearly. Mm. But like to get the maximum star score for compatibility with this girl, you have to have visited the library 50 times with Zell in your party, (laughs) (laughs) which has no effect on anything other than it just shows how many stars that you get in this cutscene. But it's just weird. It's again, one of those things about like it's Final Fantasy 8.text where it's like it's a really obscure thing. It's super buried and there's just some math behind it for some reason that doesn't really affect much, but it's there. And you can but, you can do it, but it's also Final Fantasy eight text in that they like hide this cute and like surprisingly involved yeah. like side quest uh, where you would just like never find it. Yeah, um, yeah. and I had not and it was heard like, of this at all. And it was like designed with like care and a sense of playfulness. Like you know the the actual like execution of a lot of Final Fantasy VIII, just because of the numbers and the RNG and the like lack of explanation, it leaves a lot to be desired. But I just I I I love the just the minds behind some goofy thing like this. Like if you go back to episode, well, this episode two, when you go to the the little message board in your computer. The library girl is talking to Zell in the messages. <laughs> like you could, this huh. is seated at the very beginning of the game. And like, I actually, the one that I saw here is I had Zell with me during the, the civil war. And when I went to the library, she comes up and gives Zell a mega Phoenix. And mm. if you don't have Zell in the party, she gives you a, a remedy. And she's like, oh, just be extra careful, please. <laughs> it's very cute. And she shows up in this cutscene, So it's kind of like, it's kind of canon that Zell basically gets a girlfriend. That's fun. Yay. Good for him. him. Yeah. That Zell, Zell turns out all right. He also like, he has a a serious bromance with Renoa behind the scenes. Like they become pals throughout the course Mm. of this game as well. So like, he's got, he's got a friend other than Squall now. And, um, he's got a girlfriend like good for Zell. Good for Mm -hmm. Zell. Mm -hmm. Truly cursed idea. FF8 2. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> my god. Imagine how much it would have to blow up every bit of character development uh-huh. on all of these characters to do anything. It would it would go uh-huh. beyond Chrono Cross as far as like be having to be a rug pull essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. God, have Zell be the main character too. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> the pain is definitely library girl. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> so um, in conclusion here, having escaped Zell's wrath, Selfie then points over to Renoa, who is on the balcony, talking to someone off screen. The camera runs out of battery before we're able to see who's talking. We all, we know. We, we mm-hmm. all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Adele. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> At the end of the credits, we come back to Renoa on the balcony. She sees a shooting star and points up to it. The camera swings around to see Squall, who smiles for the first time in his entire lonely, grumpy, stoic life. The two it looks kiss. bad on him! Don't do that! <laughs> Don't do that again! <laughs> yeah, learn to smize, Squall, seriously. The two kiss as the camera pans back and then down to see the garden floating with a full moon in the background. The end. This is my favorite ending of a video game ever. Uh, still, <laughs> to this day, I watched this cutscene again and I was like, yes, this still justifies the entirety of Final Fantasy VIII. I love it so fucking much. It's a, to me, the camcorder stuff is what sells it. Like the other stuff, mm. the other, obviously the cypher thing sucks. We talked about it. The, the, the Laguna rain thing sucks because rain was just done so dirty and doesn't really do anything. And that's sad. But like, like I, I didn't mention in the notes, but like the way they animate Irvine being a weirdo, like the like, where he like dips up from like under the shot of the camera to be in front of Quistus and like these little animations, like they're very well rendered and they have mm-hmm. a lot of character to them. Um, <laughs> The thing that points out the, or that sticks out the most that looks bad is like Sid holding the the glass in his hand looks really goofy and definitely yeah. looks like it's from 1999. But everything else the, looks really good. The cutscenes had mocap, which I found out yeah, in the credits yeah. when it when they had mocap actors. So that was also and like not yeah. not a whole lot of games were doing much mocap yet. Like there were some, but it it wasn't it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like ubiquitous yet. Um. Also, just I know that we've already covered this, but just like all of the trippy time compression effects, they were like disturbing, but. That part of the ending still had the very legible through line of Squall and Renoa trying to find each other as time was going bonkers around them. And so, like, even if you missed stuff because you weren't going frame by frame, you could still grok the story and there was still, like, an urgency and an immediacy to it. And then this resolution of pals getting to be pals and, like, breathe a sigh of relief for the first time was just so good i think the thing that doesn't work for me is renoa just kind of shows up and then resolves the problem <laughs> right like i don't like squall breaks and and then she just kind of shows up there in the desert and finds him i'm not really sure how that works or why that works i mean you can do the math and just say Oh, it's just the power of love, et cetera. But like, yeah, and it's also because eh. the last thing that he sees before he breaks is her visor shadowing. It's a parallel to like how it, it was in, very implausible for him to find her in space, but the mm. power of love connected them there, and she was returning the favor here. Oh, the weird thing is that that's just about that, and like the one shot of Ult- Ultimicia we talked about mm-hmm. is basically the only new footage that's being played there. Well, uh, I mean, the rotation and stuff, there's a bunch of stuff, but like, that's something that we know definitively didn't happen in the timeline. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that that happens, and especially that that's the breaking point for Squall. Yeah. So, about- yeah, Sybil, so, Sybil, what are your thoughts? I know we have, well, we have a lot of thoughts on it. But- well, here, here's, here's the first response to that. The thing that makes it work is that until that moment, Squall is still thinking, I can do this. I'll call out to them and I'll be mm-hmm. saved. 
And it's when mm-hmm. he finally surrenders himself to his friends finding him. He's not mm-hmm. trying to push on alone. Yeah. That's okay. when that actually okay. works. So yeah, there's yeah. your key. All right. All right. That makes that makes sense. I mean, I in a way, though, I kind of wish then more than just Renoa showed up, right? Because you'd be like, hey, all of your friends. But this is a love story, and that would be they're putting the romantic relationship as, you know, primary here. So well, no one else made a promise to find him. Yeah. yeah, and especially in that location, because it, it, it was a nice touch that the whole time he was in the right spot, just in the wrong time. Yep. God, yep. fucking because everything like which uh, one of the reasons why I'm very glad for like um, Zell's friendship with Renoa is that like all of the friendships do revolve around Squall because he is best boy. But it, it thinking about that and thinking of all of his friends coming to find him gave me the cursed idea of calling a friend group that revolves around one central friend, a platonic harem, and just shivering a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of how it works, sort of. Right? I mean, Garden Master Anthony just has to wait and then all of his <laughs> friends pile in. <laughs> Garden Master Anthony. But yeah, um, before I get into my stuff, just a few things that did come up during the fight and everything that my research dug up. So uh, Matt was talking about how he was kind of unsure about how the whole Griever thing went down. And Mm -hmm. that comes out of the fact that Ultimecia's magic seemed to be uh, mental-based as a whole. That was her specialty. She can read minds, she can control minds, and Mm. she can conjure things up. She's got a constant theme in her dialogue, both when she's possessing Idea and as herself, about things beyond imagination, which she can read in the minds of everyone around her. So she can think of, or find someone thinking of, Griever, the ultimate GF that's just been buried in Squall's soul this whole time, to use as a weapon and try and break him. What? Mm-hmm. No, Mr. Stay Puffed wouldn't hurt me, except it's a big <laughs> lion. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And then on to the actual ending. It's all right. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing I can really say about this ending that's negative. Again, I think it works thematically. Cypher is the only real misstep, but Cypher is, again... I still don't know if he's supposed to be a joke character, but they keep yeah. throwing him out there like he's an end of disc boss, but <laughs> he's never strong. So mixed messages on Cypher. Everyone just lets this guy who straight up hijacked an entire super weapon walk away completely untouched. Sure. Whatever. Time mm. loop. I know they've been here since the start. I don't love the way that we try and wrap a lot of plot holes with it's a time loop that's sure that's why this happened mm-hmm. it it feels very quick don't think about it to me mm-hmm. um the kids the kids are being kids again that's i love it that's actually mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. i can't hate on that the fact that a whole part of this cut scene is something that you might have never noticed like if we hadn't been discussing this, I wouldn't have known who the hell the girl with Zell was. Oh, it's real <laughs> yeah. subtle. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's definitely just a thing that happens. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's that girl. And you only know it's that girl. Like, it, it is weird. If you know nothing, you're like, why is that girl really into Zell? Who's just like looking yeah. awful, shoving stuff in his face. I mean, maybe she has a hot dog eating contest fetish, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah it's certainly possible. I mean, this is also where if you do pause Fun it, yeah, holding. there's no hot dogs there. You, this is the only place where we see it, that it's actually just uh, bread. bread. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And then I, I just want to talk about what's going to happen to half of these characters. Renoa's clearly going to join Squall. Okay, so she's settled. But what's going to happen to Irvine? Right. What's going to happen with Timber and Galbania? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's very interesting to me that our choice was not to show everyone has a future or that mm-hmm. there's a good thing going to happen with this world. Are sorceresses just going to appear randomly? We murdered Adele. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Altamesia's been time-looped. Do seeds need to continue to exist? I guess they do for the time-loop, because we know that corpse upon corpse upon corpse of them shows up in the future. Mm-hmm. But does that still happen? But it's a time-loop, so it kind of has to. So I'm overthinking that, and I'm not going to dig into that too much. But... Just a lot of our characters don't have a future now. Mm-hmm. What is Quistus mm-hmm. going to do? Describe to me what Quistus will do now. See, I, I I imagined, like, it does seem like like Garden is going to be just, like, a mobile platform of, of independent peacekeepers now that just, like, fly around solving conflicts or something. But again, there's nothing in the text of the game that says that, but the fact that Garden is still, no. like, floating and flying and, like, you know, having some sort of purpose. But you're, you're right. The, fo- like, the, the focus mm-hmm. is only at that point uh, for the entire ending even though we see the other characters having fun we only know that squall and renoa have any kind of path forward and for everybody else it's this giant question mark i mean yeah like do you i mean basically now you just have a whole mobile base army just just in case to just kill their friend in case she goes crazy (laughs) like that's all it is (laughs) right like i guess renoa has to stay uh stay with the seeds because you know I mean, Squall would be there anyway, but yeah, it, they really don't fully land the plane on what these characters are doing. And it's, it's this yeah, ending feels rushed. It is. It does feel rushed. It, yeah. c- it can't be because this cutscene is very involved. Again, mocap mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. There's this can't have been something thrown together. And usually from what we know about Square's pipeline, the cutscenes are one of the first things done, actually. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, it I wonder doesn't how... give a good send off to these characters. I mean, especially like the whole Laguna thing, because knowing that half the game was going to be Laguna. I mean, I guess they might have cut some cutscenes that, you know, were related to him. That would be part of the ending. Maybe. I don't know. He's just kind of there for a second. Like you, you kind of want him to be there at the party to hang out with his son, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, he's still like the head of state. Yeah, Esther is one of the biggest question marks remaining for me. Yeah, do oh, they yeah, open no. up? Esther, Galbadia, um, like, yeah, the, yeah, the the state of the world. But see, I don't necessarily think that it needs that. It is a big question mark, but it's a question mark full of possibilities more than more than holes to me. I guess the the ending status quo. Is just it's really yeah the the thing that Sybil brought up is the thing that sticks to me the most which is just okay so we have Renoa she's the only sorceress that we are aware of we still have Elena who's there and not a sorceress but also has weird magic powers she's still around and then sometime in the future Ultimicia still happens mm-hmm. and there's going to is be a breakdown of society so 
Yeah, she she's there with Laguna. For some reason, my brain classified that as being part of the flashback. I didn't know if we saw her in. The no, present. that's in the pre- that's in the present. Yeah. In, okay. In the present, uh, LNA is back reunited with Laguna, even okay, though so she was already gotcha. with him, but just hanging out in space. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh, it makes me wonder, like, okay, what, I mean, was the problem that created Ultimecia the fact that maybe all of the sorceress power got put into one person? And so, and that happened to be Renoa here. Oh, you know what? I, before I forget, uh, we should talk about um, Renoa equals Ultimecia, the, uh, the other major fan theory, which sucks and has no actual basis in anything. (laughs) It's really, really bad. Uh, Like it is. Yeah. It is literally like, oh, well, you know, Ultimecia used Griever and that was Squall's ultimate thing. So what happened was, you know, Renoa lived, outlived Squall and Squall died. And in her, in her grief, she became evil and then went back in the time and then used his own OC against him. Something, something. Also, they, there's an assertion that like her, like Ultimecia's facial structure looks like Renoa's in one scene, which doesn't make yeah. any sense at all. No. It's not true. Love doing a race science to CGs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it, there's just nothing to this, but it, it does come up when people talk about this game. Sometimes there, there's just nothing about, about it that makes any sense. No, pe- what, what people what people want is more of a puzzle box and they want Mm -hmm. more explanation of who the fuck Ultimecia even was and why she was so mad. It's like, you know, and, and who the fuck Ultimecia was, is very much not covered by the game. So I understand wanting to want more of that, but wanting to, wanting to turn it into like, you know, Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues is, is a silly impulse. Yeah. It's it's not good, but I just wanted to bring it up so we could just say, oh, well, that sucked. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not a good, it's not a good theory. Yeah. Like Squall is dead is at least got something to it. Mm hmm. I guess my final thought on this ending is we don't have a lot of answers about what might happen with these characters, but also I don't think most of them had enough of an internality that I can imagine a future for them, and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm surprised they didn't put Selfie and Irvine together. Like, I'm glad they didn't, though. I'm, I'm, I'm also, also glad, glad they, they did not. You know, my, you know what? My headcanon for the future is that uh, Renault and Squall break up because they're teenagers. Oh. <laughs> right? Like they, is, they, they get into a fight and break up. Irvine and Selfie is the world's worst marriage. That's a we're going to throw three kids at this to see if we can fix it. Yeah, this <laughs> is. Yeah, the, that way lies just absolute disaster.
Yeah, yeah. But like, broadly speaking, you know, when I was thinking, you know, one of the things that it's funny, I mentioned manga explaining earlier. I I like binged that entire podcast in like two weeks, and so it's been on my brain a lot. Is that it, this this story feels like a shonen author trying to write shoujo for boys, and that's why this doesn't work at all. Right. Hmm. Because it feels like they took a like a love triangle story, initially a love triangle story of Cypher, Squall and Renoa, and then tried to write it from one of the guy's perspectives. But then it just doesn't quite land the vibe. Right. Like, you know, and there there are such things as shonen romances. Right. Like, I, I guess, uh, what is it? Yona of the Dawn is, uh, Hell, is one that's considered right that. now. I would say one of the most popular manga in Shonen Jump is a Shonen creator writing shoujo, Chainsaw Man Part 2. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I've I've not gotten there yet. I mean that that is the thing, you know, we talked a lot at the beginning of this about oh what how much uh it seems like this story is borrowing from like common you know or like mm-hmm. popular shonen shonen at the time, but it also feels like it's trying to tap into shoujo but just doesn't know how it works. And that's oh, see, why this I... comes off as weird. I think the love triangle part is bunk only because sure, yeah. Cypher sucks, but I, I, I buy the romance uh, between mm. Squall and Renoa by the end of it, and I think that the focus on the two of them is what saves this game for me from being an unfocused mess because it is an unfocused yeah. mess in every other portion. It, I Listen, it doesn't have to work f- for you, but it does work mm-hmm. for me. I mean, I... I actually appreciate Renoa way better now than I did the first time I or yeah. first few times I played through this game because before I was just like, why would she be into like what's she doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm like, I'm very much why is she into this guy? <laughs> right, but <laughs> she's a teenager. Teenagers have bad taste. Yes, That's a thing. That's why I feel like it's not like a good basic. Like it's one of those like intensely like intense romantic relationships that falls apart because they're still immature. They don't know how to be, how to be like adults about things. That's why, that's why my headcanon is they break up. (laughs) If they make it to 25 where they can both have fully developed prefrontal cortexes, I can see Squall becoming an intensely emotionally intelligent person. He has all the tools. He just does not know how to wield them yet. Yeah. Or (laughs) is he going to get red orbed by the internet? Red orbed. Well, the internet will be back. I mean, Adele's gone. The the, yeah. the radio interference is gone. We can have Wi-Fi now. Yeah, this place is about to have an FF102 style technological revolution. Yeah. <laughs> God. God. FF82 could be so fucking cool. God. Yeah. It would be. It would be. A word that or a phrase that I use way too much when I'm typing on the internet. It would necessarily be player confrontational. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Like, like you've already mentioned Chrono Cross, so mm-hmm. <laughs> which I fucking love. Yeah, I'm I also pro Chrono Cross. I I got to play Chrono that Cross. game. I I owned it and then never ended up commit. Like I got to a boss and got stuck in at the beginning and never went back. But mm-hmm. uh, so like. Okay, uh, like time compression. I, I've been thinking about it because, like, part of me goes like, I mean, obviously our our initial reaction when it first came up is like, why? What the hell? What is this? What is the point of this? And it it just made me think about like, what is it trying to do thematically, specifically for Squall? And 
the way that kind of it kind of got put together to me is that like Squall is wrestling with some trauma from his past, right? His, his mm-hmm. separation from LNA. Mm-hmm. That is affecting his present. It's causing harm in the present. And he's doing that because he is he's afraid of being harmed more in the future. Mm-hmm. And that mirrors what's going on with the sorceresses in this game. Because you have right. Adele, the trauma from the past. You have Adia, the trauma in the present, the harm in the present. And then you have Ultimisia, the threat of the future being also more harmful. Or, right. or extremely right. harmful. And like, there's a parallel there that kind of works. And like, that's the only way that kind of makes sense of like, oh, well then what happens if you take all of that and try to put that into a single moment in time? Like, how do you handle that? Like that, yeah. that I think is like, there's a conceptual interesting thing there, but also time compression just sounds silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, hundred percent. And you know, it, that also it goes hand in hand with the biggest whiffed theme of the game. Um, not the biggest, L&A? but one of the bigger whiffed themes of the game. <laughs> mm-hmm whiffed themes of the game which is um the way that memory and identity play into each other yeah and um you know the whole gf memory loss thing which i just so now desperately wish was better fleshed out and 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 better thought out and and had more meat to it because it is such a central theme paralleling you know the thoughts on trauma it ends up kind of in a very late 90s early 2000s vision of psychotherapy where if you can find and identify mm-hmm. the trauma then that is what cures you and it's like that's, <laughs> o- no, that's, that's only step one that's only <laughs> barely step one y'all like come on yeah. but yeah, but yeah. but you know it it can be forgiven for that because it is a video game for teenagers but like yeah i i I think that there's a lot to what you're saying, Matt, and I and I wish that the memory and identity portions were stronger to kind of like like round out and give it more of a three dimensional heft. Yeah. So related to that, Squall met Elena and talked things out with her. Why is he still focused on that moment at the end of time? Hmm. I mean, I guess you could say because he's carrying his trauma with him. I mean, it's still a part of him, even if he knows her now and knows that it was out of her control. Yeah, just because, you know, the cause of it. And like, I don't think he ever thought LNA left him on purpose. Right. right. Or that it was motivated. Do you ever? Right? I mean, she was also a child. <laughs> do you ever have a dream where someone you care about does something fucked up and then you wake up and you're mad at them and you're like, ah, it was still just a dream. But then you notice that like 24 hours later, you're still kind of impatient with them. And it's be- still because of the thing that they did in your dream. Um, even you though you know it's to hear no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you ever do you ever wake up and have a borderline personality disorder diagnosis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trick is you can't be faulted for anything if you've never been diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 joke was on me. Up. I thought my diagnosis would help me. <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> no. I I I feel like I've had that, but it hasn't stuck that long. Okay. Like it's not a twenty four hours. It's just more of like. Oh, I got to like shake off this weird feeling. But I mean, oftentimes, I mean, sometimes that that is an outcropping of a a relationship dynamic that is has some grounding in truth or at the very least your impression of it, like maybe you're projecting or something. But like, 
Are you endorsing so Freud? No. <laughs> For what it's worth, I think my biggest problem with the game is that the story is underbaked in such ways that coming to it for the first time, mm-hmm. having not had discussions about this, having not mm-hmm. yeah. thought it over and chewed it over for 20 years, I come at this and go, but wait, I I have, what happened here? Why is this? And mm-hmm. I think Squall is both pitched as supposed to have finally started to make progress forward you two both said, yeah, no, he feels like he feels like he's getting it with things like the bridge. And I just see him as completely off his rocker until they <laughs> want to go. No, but he's good now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely having a meltdown on the bridge. Like, I, I don't think either of us. I mean, like, the thing is, it's he has some introspection. Like, God, th- this game, like for me and definitely for you, Ryan, because you brought it up before, like the the internality in Squall you know, that Squall has that dialogue he's having with himself constantly, like that does so much for this game that you take that out and there's just nothing left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like Squall it, is an isekai protagonist without another world. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways that's true. Uh, he, he got isekai from like pre uh, time compression. From amnesia. He got isekai from amnesia. Yeah, get, that's true. Yeah. God, the amnesia thing is just, uh, it's just, oh, uh, why? Why, why, The why, thing why? is, <laughs> he does show development. I will not deny that. He does yeah. have some growth over time, but he doesn't have as consistent an arc as Cloud did the prior game, and he's kind of just warmed over leftovers of the Cloud scenes at times. Uh, mm-hmm. Renoa and Squall feel very Tifa and Cloud. But also, he he just keeps jerking around like he's in two different drafts up until the end where they're just like healthy the end (laughs) like the way that i feel about this game now especially you know we've talked a lot about you know these are teens being teens in recognizably teen ways which is not always the Mm -hmm. case in 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 games and, and other japanese media like to me the squall at the end of this game is not a completely fully actualized person like to me, right. he's still like he got over a major hump, but he still is 17 and is going to grow and change from there. And that's why I mean, that's part of why the the found footage is <laughs> called found footage. The camcorder <laughs> footage uh, is, is you know, it's why it's, I find it so charming is that these are clearly still kids and there's going to be growth and change that happened after that. But for him specifically, he needed to get past this one major block of his in order to even allow that possibility to me. Like, yeah, it it sounds like it's trying to wrap it up and say he's a complete person now. And to me, I'm like, he's a complete teenager now. And now he gets to become an adult after that. But I guess my question is then we keep saying Squall is a special boy. Squall is the legendary seed, all this. Mm -hmm. But Squall, nobody else had any trauma in their past, much right. worse, that they didn't mm-hmm. immediately just cotton onto and cling to each other and go to the future. Squall's the only one so traumatized that he had to make a time loop happen. Right. Yeah, you would think I mean, that, I- like, Quistus might might have also had some troubles considering- Irvine! Irvine showed right. up, saw all yeah. these people he knew, and nobody recognized him. Right. Yeah. 
I would say, yeah, uh, like a, a better version of this game tackles. I mean, they're all traumatized because they're all war orphans. Right. right. And but then no one else, and then no one else gets... is traumatized deep enough. Right. Oh, except for and Selfie. Except Selfie kind of just yeah. brushes it off. Yeah. Three quarters of Selfie's friends just get bombed. And and she is an absolute Irvine. broken. Yeah. Right. Um, she's an absolute like broken mess for a little bit. And then she's like, OK, I'm just going to blow some more things up and then I'll feel good again. Yeah, that's not how you uh, uh, deal with that. Right. I think if you didn't have the orphanage scene, I would be a lot kinder to this. But that, like Irvine's existence, is the loose thread that my brain keeps picking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it and, definitely and, and, and the, it's, the original sin of this game. Right, and it's load bearing enough that it that it's not just a CinemaSins nitpick. Like it is, like it it is a significant barrier to like taking all of this seriously. And 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 I will admit that I'm just kind of like saying, I'm I'm hand waving it to focus on the parts of this that are really strong for me. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's multiple rewrites issue. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's not the only JRPG to ever have that. It's a JRPG that I just found myself frustrated with at Endgame. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah it's definitely one of those you, the it's it's a particularly bad game for this kind of analysis <laughs> um although like there there are places in which you could still get some some richness out of it i mean i really liked you know the the resident arc episodes on on this like if if you want more talking about final fantasy VIII in depth but like from a different angle like go check those out i think those are neat I don't know. I it's it's definitely the most piecemeal story setting, what have you. And it was really meant to be like a mechanic showcase. And even then, as a mechanic showcase, it is, you know, not tuned very well. But I mean, I to me, it's 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 hard for me to separate out you know, my, my attachment to it from like objectively, like, yeah, I'm definitely way colder on this game than, than you, Ryan, at the end of this, in terms of just how well does it work? Mm-hmm. But the things that worked well for me still have a grasp on me that I can't, you know, can't shake off. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, Sybil, you mentioning um, that one of the really big differences is that you haven't been chewing on this for 20 years reminded me once again, take a drink of Homestuck made this world. When one of them early on <laughs> said final fantasy eight was my Homestuck before Homestuck. Um, uh, and... that killed me. That killed me so bad. So much. Yeah. Well, I, like, I mean, admit, I see what they're saying. I see what they're saying, but, but this is the thing is that like, it was like, the game was released uh, when message boards were still kind of like on their ascent, and um, there is a because because there's a lot missing from this game, and because there's a lot that doesn't hang together in this game. There is both additional richness that can be found by like chatting with other folks and doing deep dives and like you know scanning the Ultimania uh, for interview snippets and 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 like really theory crafting like there. There's additional richness that can be found there, and that in itself can take on a life of its own. And then there's also stuff that the more you look at it, the 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 more frayed you can see, like, and the more you can see through it, and the more it falls apart. So it's like this really, uh, you know, it it is it is uh, it it operates in two very opposite realms where it's both like 
helped and harmed by taking a really close look at it and talking about it with other folks. Mm-hmm. I wonder what my first run of this would be had I just gone through start to finish blind. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's say I did the same thing I did here mm-hmm. without guides, just playing through, but without learning every two weeks what I missed, <laughs> what happened behind the scenes that I was unaware of. I guarantee I'd be a lot madder about this ending, for one thing. (laughs) But also, just not knowing there are a bunch of GFs, or only finding them at the end and going, well, that's stupid. Why would you put these at the end where you can't really do anything with them? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. This is still not the worst Final Fantasy of the PlayStation era. But this is not a game I think I will be replaying. Yeah. I I totally get it. <laughs> like, I, I think really, for me at this point, I would only replay this game. I mean, nostalgia reasons, but like, I would try to do like challenge runs because it's definitely built for like, I mean, I've already done a challenge run. I did a, a no level run of this game where I didn't, gain a single level and i even beat omega weapon at 100 you know level 100 Mm-mm. that's kind of fun in a in a way that like oh you can you know how to break it although it did get very tedious at times it's it's a tough one it definitely it definitely feels like a game that it's hard to experience the first time as an adult and have it hit as hard as it would have if you checked it out as a teenager or a preteen yeah which is fascinating. A, like that's that's just fascinating in terms of uh, you know a piece of media. Yeah, it is a really interesting challenge to my like you know my philosophy that if you have an open enough mind and dig enough uh, into the context, you can you can recreate or at least try to recreate an experience closer to when something originally came out. And this is a pretty interesting challenge to that because yeah, it you you don't have a thirteen year old brain ever again once you stop being 13 yeah like if i Although actually if I read enough, homestuck. i could probably mimic it <laughs> <laughs> like if i had actually tried to read homestuck as an adult which i had i did not i did not read any homestuck mm-hmm. and I, I listened through that entire podcast uh by the way i did finish it uh for for the listeners out there all 77 hours of it mm-hmm. and i i would have been like maybe if i read it when i was younger i could grab onto something here and there and I probably would have dropped off at some point because it got absurd unless I had, I do have a sunk cost fallacy problem. I do tend to commit to things and just say, Nope, I'm doing it. I'm finishing this. I don't know if I would have committed for 4,000 more pages of that comic, but yeah. But what if you got messaged by an old girlfriend out of nowhere who was now using a homestuck name? Yeah. <laughs> what if you just got oh. the most cursed representation of it in your DMS? Jesus. Boy, I- God, the morbid curiosity. I would have immediately gone to bed. I would have been like, nope, bye. See, now I just want to know why. <laughs> like, oh, did you not hear that story? No, I no, you I've I've seen you reference it that uh you know, somebody just showed up, but that, that uh context of yeah. that was a little different than just a homestuck showed up in your in your DMs. Yeah, just just getting a DM from someone named Redacted.
Yeah. Which I now definitely <laughs> recognize as straight Fuck. up a reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, if I had tried to read that comic today... You should probably bleep that name, by the way, just so they don't yeah. catch any shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. Yeah, if I tried to watch, watch, tried to read Homestuck from the beginning today, I would not connect to it at all. And I know I wouldn't have connected. Like, I just know that about me now. I don't would it know be because I... of the race politics or the things they do to your people? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good... Good question. I would have quit way before the Holocaust became a thing about Albert Einstein. <laughs> God, I that's still... the dumbest way to invoke that thing. Mm-hmm. I know there are Jews in Homestuck. <laughs> Why? That's the most confused I am since I heard that there were Jews in Dune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that at least made sense. That was thematic. Sure. I mean, I, th- that makes way more sense than in, in a Homestuck where, you know, at the beginning, Hussey was just like, yes, trolls don't have race. Race isn't a thing. Right. Nobody had race. Until Nobody right. had race. But then there's the Jews. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Which aren't mm-hmm. a race, to be fair. But uh, <laughs> just to be clear that I'm saying that correctly. God. God. Uh, Chris wild. isn't here, so somebody had to remind people you were Jewish this season. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I remind myself every day. <laughs> Um, to bring it back to the game, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really glad we did this in-depth revisit because it was the, the game that I was most scared to go back to from my memory. And I am now confident about the stuff that it does well enough to like Mm -hmm. feel settled in my feelings about it. So while, um, Doing it this slowly definitely amplifies a lot of the negatives because it is not meant to be played over six months in, uh, you know, it with a fine tooth comb. I'm super glad we did it for the show, and and mm-hmm. I would still recommend it to a certain type of person, not everyone. I definitely don't think it should be anybody's first Final Fantasy, but there is no. a lot there for <laughs> <was mine>. certain <laughs> kinds of, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Look, that was an era where so many people's first JRPG was the PlayStation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Technically my second after Pokemon. So I played Pokemon before this, but Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. The anti-Sybil starter set. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much the only Pokemon I ever played. I like played through yellow and then I stopped. Damn. Yeah. But I mean, it, it definitely is, I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, I guess I'm not as well played in the JRPG space as the two of you are, because like, y'all have dove a lot deeper on these things, but like, it's hard for me to look at another game and say, this is tapping into some of the same, you know, feelings that Final Fantasy VIII did for me. Yeah. Except for, I would say, okay, to me, the only other character I've seen in in a JRPG and maybe even in a game that approaches the depth or probably surpasses, I'll say the depth of squall here is Shion from Xenosaga, right? Like yeah. she, she's got enough of a complete psychograph. I don't know what term I want to <laughs> use here, but like she, she has enough like, like psychological depth to her. Like she isn't a stand in for, you know, an ideology, right? She isn't just a mm-hmm. mouthpiece for a specific ideology. You can't or... call her a flat character. She's not right. flat. Yeah. And I don't think Squall's flat. I mean, I think a no. lot of the other characters around him are flat. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I think all of them are flat except for him, basically. And I'm trying to I think th- of like, I like that. That's the thing I kind of want to see more in games is that people explore those feelings. And that's probably why I love the Persona games so much when I played them. Right. Like is it actually tries to do the thing. It fails a lot. I, I, I know we have Persona haters on this podcast, <laughs> um, but like, that's what, that's what I, that's what, that's why Persona 4 hit so hard for me. I'm like, wow, they're finally actually trying to do that sort of depth into people's psychology. Yeah, it falls on its face a bunch of times. I know. Look, but yeah, that's also why. Me, I, but I will not tell anyone that they're terrible games you shouldn't play. Just like right. I wouldn't say to anyone, this is a terrible game you shouldn't play. Yeah. If you want to hear me get knives out on a JRPG, I'll take a fucking bat to Final Fantasy IX's knees. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to replay that one. I kind of want to know how well I think it holds up. You I don't think... hear me being a hater. Let's uh-huh. go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can ever do that for the show. No, no, I don't think so. No, but plus we still got to do Ted and Ten Two before that. I mean, that. Oh, yeah. yeah spoilers yeah, yeah. for yeah. people like uh, we're doing that eventually. It may take two or three years, but we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, at that point, we were almost doing this podcast for like a decade. Jesus Christ. Oh God. We're nine seasons in. Just admit. <laughs> I know. We're about to do ten, and it's going to be a tiny one. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, we're not doing that next. Well, any, any other final thoughts before I start talking about next, next episodes? Uh, I, think, I think we've covered it, or at least I have. <laughs> This existed, and I outlived FF11, so, you know, guess what? That's two Final Fantasies off my bucket list now. (laughs) Hooray! They just announced this past week that that game's going into what sounds like maintenance mode. Mm. They've they've announced that before, and then they've had to bring it back, so (laughs) I will believe it when I actually see it. The quote is literally, the developers on the game are moving to other projects to have career prospects. Damn. Yes, Ouch. because they've been at it for 20 years. God, yeah. Oh, well, this is not the, our last Final Fantasy VIII episode. We are doing a bonus episode where we will try to, you know, reform the game, try to work, talk about the mechanics more, talk about the themes more, and try to make a version of this that, you know, is a little bit more successful. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think that could be a good discussion. That's going to go up on the the Patreon feed. But after that, we are going to be playing Wolfstride for the PC. Uh, I think that came out last year, 2022. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to be on that season. Chris is going to be back, but uh, I'll still be editing. Yay. But uh, that should be an interesting, fun time. And I, I definitely the most recent game we've ever played for the show and and something a little different. I, is, is that a Japanese dev team? Is this the first non-Japanese developed game we're this covering? is the first time we're going to have to call it an rpg games club podcast <laughs> yes god yes. The, so so for some behind the scenes stuff the way that like we pick the next season's game is that uh one it's like it rotates and one host ha- we have a big list of the things that we've been vaguely interested in um but then 
one host will pick either from that list or something new that they're really stoked about and like give us three options and then and then vote and so chris taylor was the person who proposed these and we voted for this one but just Mm -hmm. on the website immediately the most chris taylor that a game can be where the the uh first text is what's up people trash get wrecked so (laughs) chris taylor dot text uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I have double-checked. Ota Iman Studios is Brazilian, so this will be oh. a Brazilian dev team. Mm. Rad. Yeah. It's worth saying here, uh, now that we're kind of like slowly going into housekeeping and plugs, that because uh, we're about to start a new season, uh, and because this season is on a lesser-known game, that um, five-star reviews, if you like this show, on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. do really help with visibility. And so uh, if you are so inclined and want to support that uh, corporate hellscape with which to get eyeballs and eardrums uh, attention, uh, please please go ahead and do that. that. We would appreciate that. We'll take them on Google, too. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And any anywhere where you get your podcast reviews, mm-hmm. but um, Apple still does sadly rule the market in some ways. Yep. You want to suck us off on Spotify, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we do get Spotify listens. We do. I mean, I, I see the metrics. Like That's wild. We, we know you're all out there. We mm-hmm. love you, listeners. We mm-hmm. see you on different social media. We see you in our DMs occasionally. <laughs> we see you on our Discord if you join up at uh, pitchdrop.cash where you can get... Again, bonus episodes of this, interact with the hosts, see some of the stupid things that we are uh, mentioning or cutting out of episodes that we are sending each other during recordings. Yep. God, I, I I would not want to. I mean, the shit pit is already bad enough, which is our, if you don't know, that is our bad memes space <laughs> on the Discord. But uh, God... God help you if you end up looking at a recording text, especially out of context. Hey, I didn't post the Tim Allen Gundam in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh? Not yet. Oh, did you not see Tim's counterattack yet? N- no, I also don't know enough about Gundam to understand the joke. Other mm. than... I meant Ryan, who would. Oh. Okay. Um, no, hang on. I'm looking this up <laughs> right now. Look up right, Tim's how counterattack it? beyond the Tim. How many, how many, um, so after 0079, how many other things do I have to watch in order to get to charge counterattack? You just like, that. yeah, it's, it, it is really designed where you can do uh, this. And this is basically, I think what the, uh, Zeta movie compilation, which I think kind of sucks and does some weird, don't look at zz um or don't look at double zeta retconning um but it's designed where you can watch the three gundam movies the three zeta gundam movies and then char's counterattack if you really wanted to okay one of my biggest beefs with char's counterattack is just because double zeta was my favorite gundam for a long time the way it gets ignored and the way that like the way that gundam's philosophy changed in double zeta in some ways gets ignored really bums me out Mm mm-hmm Oh my I'm god! There's also the movies. <laughs> there's also something here now that I'm looking this up with Tim's counterattack called. Uh, there's a 37, 37 second YouTube called Tim the New Type Taylor. Yeah, that's the first one. This guy did a whole triptych of that one for Zeta, which is I came here to grunt at you, and then <laughs> Tim's <laughs> counterattack. Incredible, incredible. Okay, but one of them has so much more effort than the others. Mm-hmm. 
Someday we're going to do a Gundam on Boku no Stop. It's going to happen. I just don't know which one. Um, it's going to depend I, on who's hosting at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I could I could see G-Witch or IBO being a Boku no Stop show, even though that's not where I would start personally. Reconquista. Oh, God. g Reco fucks. g Reco fucks. Yes. Which one's the bad one? Oh, I thought G-Reco was considered the bad one. I don't know which ones are the bad ones and which ones are the good ones anymore. Guess what? It's- Ask any Gundam fan and there's 10 different answers. Yeah, <laughs> no, the thing, that's the, the problem. The, the, the thing about G-Reco is that it is incredibly compromised by production realities, but it still manages to rule despite that. Mm. Here is all you need to know about G-Reco going in, and this will not bias you in any way. The ratings were not amazing, and at one point... The next episode preview says, even if you can't stand it, keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> that owns. Yes. Well, I mean, hey, pitch drop, uh, the Pitch Drop Network, uh, even if you can't stand it, keep listening. Give us reviews. Hang yeah. out with us. Give us and money. And here's the thing. Please give us money. <laughs> Feel free to suggest other RPGs. It doesn't have to be a JRPG now. Wolfstride is breaking barriers. Mm-hmm. If you can pitch us something that has enough meat on the bones for discussion, we'll consider it. We have a list. Yeah. Yep. The, though, though, it, though it should be said without, without diving too deep into JRPG discourse that um, Wolfstride does appear to have a JRPG philosophy around it, however you want to define that or interpret that. Mm-hmm. You broke the seventh seal, you fool. <laughs> Chris is going to be so mad when this goes out and be like, yeah. no, you said that we said we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. If you listen all the way to, after our Gundam talk at the end of this Final Fantasy <laughs> uh, season. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Uh, should you like that kind of stupid talk? You might like the Boku no Stop bonus episodes, which oh, mostly yeah. consist of all of us just shit-talking random things and throwing around media conversation while we're talking about a loose theme. Yeah. You ever hear a loop in the third episode that starts going off about Kevin Smith? <laughs> and then we end up covering Mallrats after that. <laughs> like, that's a direct one to one. Yeah, Mallrats was tied into Fujiko Mine. God. It was. Fujiko Mina owns my dick slash taint slash brown hole. <laughs> yeah. nah, Fujiko Mine it. sucked 37 dicks in a row. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we're we're very loose with our plugs. So you know, buck a month. Icons and icons. Final Fantasy fourteen. Chris Taylor. Ryan Beatty. It's fun. <laughs> I just. I sorry. I just imagine like a shot of Lupin talking to Fujiko, saying, "Try not to suck another dick while going through the parking lot." <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely the relationship those two have. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that if Twitter wasn't uh, you know the hell site that is also collapsing it on itself, that would be a decent Twitter thing. Kevin Smith quotes over Lupin the Third uh, images. Actually, yeah, that that is pretty. I might make that a Mastodon bot. <laughs> Do it. That's right. I got a Mastodon, bitches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's, what is your Mastodon? How do how do you, how do you find it? Uh, Bustrider at computerfair.es. <laughs> There you have it. All right. We'll see you all for either the bonus episodes or Wolfstride. Peace. Bye. Bye.